The Apostle Paul begins in this week's readings with a bullseye on the struggles we have in this mortal experience and then tells us how to free ourselves from this bondage. Welcome back to the Come Follow Me podcast. We are Scott and Maureen Proctor, and we're delighted to be with you again this week. As I have spent hundreds of hours this year studying the Gospels, the Apostles, and now the writings of Paul, I am humbled by the fact that I truly feel closer to Jesus Christ and to my Heavenly Father than I did when I began. These studies are truly blessing my life. They just become more and more delicious to me every week. I feel the Lord's influence in my life, in my thinking, in my daily walk. This has just been so wonderful. I'm giving you my testimony that this Come Follow Me curriculum is really working. Paul and Nephi have the same concerns in this first section of our readings this week. Listen to Nephi's lamentation and then his conclusion. Behold, my soul delighteth in the things of the Lord, and my heart pondereth continually upon the things which I have seen and heard. Nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord in showing me his great and marvelous works, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man that I am! Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh, my soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I am encompassed about because of the temptations and the sins which do so easily beset me. And when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, and here's the lesson we all want to learn from this, I know in whom I have trusted." This is all about our grandest intentions, our best desires, and our actual performance in mortality. Paul iterates the same thoughts. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. That sounds so familiar. Oh, it's actually a little easier to understand this passage in the Revised Standard Version. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Then in verse 19, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. And Paul exclaims, echoing Nephi, O wretched man that I am. Don't we feel that way so often? We try so hard to overcome a bad habit. We work so hard to overcome an addiction or a sin. We move forward with all the best intentions and we fail. It's one of the most frustrating things about mortality. I remember once, Maureen, you woke up and you said, I just wasn't born to be mortal. (laughs) The truest words. Thank goodness for this verse in the Doctrine and Covenants about the gifts of the Spirit that are given to us as outlined in section 46. Quote, for verily I say unto you, they are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep all my commandments and him that seeketh so to do. Oh, that verse is so comforting to me because I'm a seeketh so to do person. Maureen, remember that home front commercial the church did back in the late 70s with that little boy who's sitting at the table and his mom says that he's going to be late for school and he was told that he was such a slowpoke and he said... I'm trying to! And then he burst into tears. Sometimes we feel that way in mortality on a daily basis. We're trying so hard. And the Lord knows that. And I testify that he recognizes and knows even our smallest efforts. 
Many times I say inside, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. I really identify with that boy. Paul invites us to understand the workings of the Spirit in our lives. He says in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I actually love the word groanings when related to the things of the Spirit. But a better translation of groanings might be, but the Spirit puts our desires into words which are not in our power to say. Or even this translation, but the Spirit himself pleads for us in yearnings that can find no words. That's nice. It really is. But how do we come to recognize those groanings, those yearnings that can find no words? Here's a practical mini-lesson on listening to the Spirit in our own lives. Recognizing the Spirit and the various ways He talks to us is critical for our spiritual progress in this life. I have noticed in years and years of teaching institute that many of my students report that they are not sure they have ever felt a direction from the Spirit, or if they have, they are not sure how to recognize it. This is common thinking. I believe the Holy Spirit communicates with us all the time, and we must pay attention and come to understand how He speaks to us so that we can follow His direction. As we go through some of these thoughts, will you take note of how the Spirit speaks to you? I've seen all too often the common misconception that you either have a burning in your bosom or you have a stupor of thought, and that's it. The Spirit communicates truth and revelation to us in numerous ways, and it is good to know some of those ways so that we can be ready for those answers, thoughts, inspirations, guidance, and insights when they do come. First of all, Elder Neil Maxwell said, God the Eternal Father and His Son Jesus Christ are giving away the secrets of the universe if we will only not be offended at their generosity. So generosity, there's a key word. It's one of my favorite quotes. The Lord is wanting to give us revelation. The prophet Joseph said, It is the privilege of the children of God to come to God and get revelation. And he also gave us this invitation from one who really knew. Supplicate at the throne of grace that the Spirit of the Lord may always rest upon you. Remember that without asking we can receive nothing. Therefore ask in faith, and ye shall receive such blessings as God sees fit to bestow upon you. Joseph also taught, We believe that we have a right to revelations, visions, and dreams from God, our Heavenly Father, and light and intelligence through the gift of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ on all subjects pertaining to our spiritual welfare. If it so be that we keep the commandments so as to render ourselves worthy in his sight. Now, a person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flowing into you, it may give you sudden strokes of ideas so that by noticing it, you may find it fulfilled the same day or soon. That is, those things that were presented unto your minds by the Spirit of God will come to pass. And thus, by learning the Spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ Jesus. The prophet Joseph also taught, The things of God are of deep import, and time and experience and careful and ponderous and solemn thoughts can only find them out. 
Thy mind, O man, if thou wilt lead a soul unto salvation, must stretch as high as the utmost heavens, and search into and contemplate the darkest abyss, and the broad expanse of eternity. Thou must commune with God. And finally Joseph gave this promise, God hath not revealed anything to Joseph, but what he will make known unto the twelve, and even the least saint may know all things as fast as he is able to bear them. For the day must come when no man need say to his neighbor, Know ye the Lord, for all shall know him, from the least to the greatest. Learning to recognize the voice of the Spirit and how he talks to you is critical. Let's review a few scriptures about this. Again, pay attention to how you yourself receive personal revelation and inspiration from the Spirit, because it varies from person to person. Let's look at Doctrine and Covenants, section 9, verses 7 through 9. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no thought, save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind, then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you, therefore you shall feel that it is right. But if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings, but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, save it be given you from me. Now, that's the standard idea we always have of the only way we receive revelation, and it is far expanded from that. It is. Let's turn back just one page to Doctrine and Covenants, section 8, verses 2 and 3. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. I love the use of the mind and our heart. So sometimes we get an idea and then it starts to go into our hearts and we feel something from that. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. Behold, this is the spirit by which Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. That's such a fascinating view of the spirit of revelation. The idea that you feel it in your heart to me is that that idea that you had come into your mind begins to feel better and better and it expands and you become excited about it. But sometimes an idea will come into your mind and then it begins to fall flat. And I think that that is a a difference. It has not communicated to your mind and to your heart. Here's another idea from Doctrine and Covenants, section 11, verses 12 through 14. And now, verily, verily, I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, and this is my spirit. So here we have all these keys. Leadeth to do good, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. If we are feeling those feelings, we can be sure that it is the spirit that is directing us. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you of my spirit, which shall enlighten your mind, which shall fill your soul with joy. Boy, isn't that such a mark of receiving revelation. Sometimes when I'm receiving revelation, I feel suddenly smarter than I am. Things fit together and I understand and one idea flows from another, which is very different from our normal everyday lives, right? Well, and I love that, which shall fill your soul with joy, because the one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And so if you're feeling this joyful feeling as you're seeking answers from the Lord, that joy can be a real key to understanding that you are receiving revelation. And then shall ye know, or by this shall you know, all things whatsoever you desire of me, 
I love that. All things whatsoever you desire of me, which are pertaining unto things of righteousness and faith, believing in me that ye shall receive. In Alma chapter 32, verse 34, And now, behold, is your knowledge perfect? Yea, your knowledge is perfect in that thing, and your faith is dormant. And this because you know, for you know that the word hath swelled your souls. And you also know that it hath sprouted up, that your understanding doth begin to be enlightened. There's that word enlightened again. And your mind doth begin to expand. I love that too. Your mind is expanding. And your soul is swelling. These are such wonderful things. It's what we want, of course. And in fact, when we are in darkness, we feel contracted, just the opposite. So we, the Spirit really does have a particular signature upon us. Here's another idea from Doctrine and Covenants, section 111, verse 8. And the place where it is my will that you should tarry for the main shall be signalized unto you by the peace and power of my Spirit that shall flow unto you. That's one of my favorites. I really do love that idea of that spirit that will flow unto us. I think sometimes we feel that in a fast and testimony meeting. You weren't planning on giving your testimony at all, and all of a sudden you have this idea that comes into your mind, and then your heart starts pounding, and then this feeling flows into you, and then you have to get up and bear your testimony. That's a sign that the Spirit is there with you. And also that peace and power are upon you. I love that idea of peace and power. In Doctrine and Covenants section 85, verse 6, Yea, thus saith the still small voice, listen to this, which whispereth through and pierceth all things. And oftentimes it maketh my bones to quake while it maketh manifest. So that whispering through and piercing all things is so important in our very noisy world. And then in Third Nephi chapter 11, verse 3, you remember they're listening for the voice that's coming that's introducing the son who's now visiting them but they can't quite understand it but then notwithstanding it being a small voice it did pierce them that did hear to the center insomuch that there was no part of their frame that it did not cause to quake yea it did pierce them to the very soul and did cause their hearts to burn those are all things to pay attention to because you can know that you're receiving revelation when you find one of these descriptors happening in your own being. And then Helaman chapter 5 verse 30, And it came to pass when they heard this voice and beheld that it was not a voice of thunder, neither was it a voice of great tumultuous noise, but behold, it was a still voice of perfect mildness, as if it had been a whisper, and it did pierce even to the very soul. Then in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still, small voice. And of course, that's where the Lord was. I love that. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. That burning fire shut up in the bones, that is really a powerful description of the Spirit. In First Nephi chapter 5, 
verses 9 and 10 and 17. This is when Lehi first sees the plates of brass. It came to pass that they did rejoice exceedingly and did offer sacrifice and burnt offerings unto the Lord. And they gave thanks unto the God of Israel. And after they had given thanks unto the God of Israel, there's a pattern here, by the way, my father Lehi took the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, and he did search them from the beginning. There's another pattern. And now when my father saw all these things, he was filled with the Spirit and began to prophesy concerning his seed. So he offered gratitude, and he searched the scriptures, and those two acts made him full of the Spirit. What a wonderful lesson. Now, in Doctrine and Covenants section 6, verses 22 and 23, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? So there is that idea of peace again. Then Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 63. Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently, and ye shall find me. Ask, and ye shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. This seems so generous and so open and so like the Lord is just waiting for us to knock, and he has so many gifts for us. I believe he is. Now, one man said, sometimes it's just an odd passing impression. And I really liked what President Lauren G. Dalton of our own mission presidency taught at a recent state conference we were at. He said, when the Holy Ghost talks to us, his prompting or whisper pops into our head like a good idea. He said, I like to call it a bing moment. And that makes sense to us, doesn't it? Bing, we suddenly get an idea. President Dalton continued, The problem is that all too often when these ideas pop into our minds, we think the idea or thought that just popped into our heads is our own thought, and as a result, we don't give as much credence to it. We usually feel like, sure, that's a good idea. I will do it later when I'm done with this thing I'm doing now. But when we finish with that thing we are currently doing, we have forgotten about the bing, and as a result, we never act on it. However, we don't feel badly about not doing it because we think it was just our thought. And when you think it's just our own thought, you don't recognize it as being from the Holy Ghost because you didn't hear a voice speaking to you or feel a burning in the bosom. You just had a thought pop into your head. Bing! Because you believe that it was your own thought, you don't worry too much about it. You say to yourself, hmm, that's a good idea. I will do that, but I'm into this TV show right now and I want to see how it ends. I will make the call after the show is over. Then after the TV show ends, you forget all about that bing, and you never try to call that person or whatever the idea was about. I truly love these teachings from President Dalton. Now, there are a rare few things that I actually pen into my scriptures, you know, into those extra signature pages in the front or back of your paper scriptures, those blank pages. And this quote from Parley P. Pratt on the Holy Ghost is one of them. It's one of my favorites. Listen closely to this. He starts by saying, An intelligent being in the image of God possesses every organ, attribute, sense, sympathy, affection, of will, wisdom, love, power, and gift, which is possessed by God himself. But these are possessed by man in his rudimental state, in a subordinate sense of the word. Or, in other words, these attributes are in embryo and are to be gradually developed. 
They resemble a bud, a germ, which gradually develops into bloom and then, by progress, produces the mature fruit after its own kind. Now, Parley goes into a detailed description of the gift of the Holy Ghost and how it plays upon those godly attributes. The gift of the Holy Spirit adapts itself to all these organs or attributes. It quickens all the intellectual faculties, increases, enlarges, expands, and purifies all the natural passions, and purifies all the natural passions and affections, and adapts them by the gift of wisdom, to their lawful use. It inspires, develops, cultivates, and matures all the fine-toned sympathies, joys, tastes, kindred feelings, and affections of our nature. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness, and charity. It develops beauty of person, form, and features. It tends to health, vigor, animation, and social feeling. It develops and invigorates all the faculties of the physical and intellectual man. It strengthens, invigorates, and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is, as it were, marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. It is breathtaking how much the Holy Spirit does for us and to us. Can you see why this is just one of my favorite quotes? And it continues. In the presence of such persons, one feels to enjoy the light of their countenances as the genial rays of a sunbeam. Their very atmosphere diffuses a thrill, a warm glow of pure gladness and sympathy to the heart and nerves of others who have kindred feelings or sympathy of spirit, no matter if the parties are strangers entirely unknown to each other in person or character, no matter if they have ever spoken to each other, each will be apt to remark, in his own mind, and perhaps exclaim when referring to the interview, Oh, what an atmosphere encircles that stranger! How my heart thrilled with pure and holy feelings in his presence! What confidence and sympathy he inspired! His countenance and spirit gave me more assurance than a thousand written recommendations or introductory letters. Such is the gift of the Holy Spirit, and such are its operations when received through the lawful channel— the divine eternal priesthood. Isn't that the most wonderful description of the workings of the gift of the Holy Ghost in our lives? I have observed that most of us live beneath our privileges when it comes to the use and understanding of the companionship of the Holy Ghost in our lives. I love President Nelson's talk on revelation and receiving personal revelation in a recent conference. Brothers and sisters, How can we become the men and women, the Christ-like servants the Lord needs us to be? How can we find answers to questions that perplex us? If Joseph Smith's transcendent experience in the sacred grove teaches us anything, it is that the heavens are open and that God speaks to his children. The prophet Joseph Smith set a pattern for us to follow in resolving our questions. Drawn to the promise of James that if we lack wisdom we may ask of God, The boy Joseph took his question directly to Heavenly Father. He sought personal revelation, and his seeking opened this last dispensation. In like manner, what will your seeking open for you? What wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? Follow the example of the prophet Joseph. Find a quiet place where you can regularly go. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father. Turn to Him for answers and for comfort. 
Pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses, yes, the very longings of your heart. And then listen. Write the thoughts that come to your mind. Record your feelings and follow through with actions that you are prompted to take. As you repeat this process day after day, month after month, year after year, you will grow into the principle of revelation. What a promise. He continued, does God really want to speak to you? Yes. I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. For the Lord has promised that if thou shalt seek, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, that which bringeth joy, that which bringeth life eternal. Nothing opens the heavens quite like the combination of increased purity, exact obedience, earnest seeking, daily feasting on the words of Christ in the Book of Mormon, and regular time committed to temple and family history work. Wow! All of that gets me very excited to learn more perfectly how to recognize the promptings and inspiration of the Holy Ghost when they come, and to grow into the spirit of revelation as the prophet, President Nelson, has invited us to do. I can have this gift? That is amazing. That gets me very excited, and all this came as just a result of Paul's teachings in Romans. Later in that same chapter, in Romans chapter 8, Paul asks this question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, which is a class of angels, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I was growing up, that was one of my favorite scriptures. I just loved that scripture. Has anything separated you from the love that Christ has to offer? Have you found yourself ever, or even now, withdrawn a pace or more from the Lord? Paul teaches that nothing can truly separate us from his love, except only in the case where we are the ones that initiate that separation. Now, why would we ever, worlds without end, want to separate ourselves from Jesus? So the real question is, how do we stay close to Him? There are age-old principles and practices that keep us near to Him. Follow His prophet. Read and study His words each and every day. Attend the temple, and if you don't have a recommend, go anyway to the temple grounds and pray, and while you're waiting to be able to have that recommend. Pay attention to and be grateful for the gifts which He has given unto you. In other words, acknowledge His hand in your life. Do not let the world capture you. Do not be lured into the thinking of the world. I hope we can talk about that point in greater detail in a future podcast. And of course, say your prayers and attend to your church meetings and duties. There is much, much more, but these are the basics. I count my daily devotions to God as a sacred responsibility I have to Him who gave me life. I could not survive without these things in my life. There are two topics we want to briefly touch on in this podcast. One is the whole doctrine of foreordination, or as Paul refers to it in Romans chapter 9, the law of election. He uses as one of his examples Rebekah, the wife of Isaac, or Isaac as you know him. He says, 
And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. How can this be in that culture where the eldest son was always the birthright child? And of course, we're talking about when Rebekah was expecting Esau and Jacob. She's told that the elder would serve the younger. This points to the fact that our life in the pre-mortal world plays a much bigger role in this life than we ever supposed. As Alma so beautifully teaches in Alma chapter 13, And this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God, on account of their exceeding faith and good works, in the first place being left to choose good or evil, therefore they having chosen good, and exercising exceedingly great faith, are called with a holy calling, yea, with that holy calling which was prepared with and according to a preparatory redemption for such. And thus they have been called to this holy calling on account of their faith, while others would reject the Spirit of God on account of the hardness of their hearts and blindness of their minds, while, if it had not been for this, they might have had as great privilege as their brethren. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And to Abraham the Lord showed a great vision of the premortal realms. Now the Lord had shown unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was, and among all these were many of the noble and great ones. And God saw these souls that they were good, and he stood in the midst of them, and he said, These will I make my rulers. For he stood among those that were spirits, and he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, Thou art one of them. Thou wast chosen before thou wast born. The prophet Joseph taught, Every man who has a calling to minister to the inhabitants of the world was ordained to that very purpose in the grand council of heaven before this world was. I suppose that I was ordained to this very office in that grand council. I believe our life's mission is written on our soul. If we sincerely search for it, we can find it within us. Pay attention to what you love. I remember our longtime neighbor, Eve Perrin, was called to serve as the mission president in Tahiti. He was a little concerned about this call, and he expressed his concern to his neighbor, Elder James M. Paramore of the Presidency of the Seventy. He said, Jim, was I called to be the mission president of Tahiti because I am French-born, a native French speaker, and because I served my mission in Tahiti, and because I was a school principal there? Elder Paramore said, Eve, you have it all backwards. You are French-born and a native French speaker, and you served your mission there and served as a principal there because you were going to be called as the mission president in Tahiti. Isn't that wonderful? And by the way, Eve and his wife Kathleen now serve as the temple president and matron of the Tahiti temple. Again, our pre-mortal world experience, though we cannot remember it, plays a huge role in our lives here. The scriptures and these examples make that very clear. You can get clues in your life. Pay attention to what you love. One last thing that came to us in our readings this week is one of our favorite scriptures from Romans. It's chapter 12, verse 13. 
The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Doesn't that describe our day right now? Read or watch the news every day and we are under siege. Satan is raging in the hearts of men in this last day's season of the world. So how do we cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, Paul refers to? This is a wonderful verse in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 that will help us. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then the prophet Joseph gives us this additional explanation. And now for a man to take up his cross is to deny himself all ungodliness and every worldly lust and keep my commandments. So here is one of the keys to cast off the works of darkness. Deny yourself of all ungodliness and every worldly lust and keep the commandments. We are surrounded all the time by ungodliness. Satan places worldly lusts in our minds all the time. But we play a key role in all this by putting on the armor of light. We need to let virtue garnish our thoughts unceasingly. We need to be very selective of the music we listen to. We need to be careful of the things that we read and let enter our minds. We need to be extremely selective of the things that we watch, whether it be movies on Netflix in the privacy of our own homes, or Hulu, or Amazon Prime, or YouTube, or in the theaters. We need to be careful of the places that we go, the atmosphere we subject our spirits to. We need to be extremely careful with our searches and surfing on the internet. We need to read our scriptures every day. We need to be listening to all the talks of our prophets and apostles. We need to attend the temple. We've mentioned that before. We need to be regularly pondering, meditating, and reflecting on the things of the Spirit. It's a war here on earth, and the battle right now is extremely hot. Again, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. When you think, Scott, of all the things we talked about that the Holy Ghost brings into our lives, we would want to put on that armor of light and never do anything that would offend the Holy Ghost and make it leave us, even for a little season, even for an hour. Thanks for being with us today. We've loved our time together. We always feel as we prepare these that we are leaving out hours of material each week. Fortunately, it's all there for you to study in your home-centered, church-supported curriculum and readings. Next week's lesson is Be Perfectly Joined Together and includes 1 Corinthians chapters 1-7. through Thanks again to Paul Cardall for the beautiful music that accompanies this podcast. See you next week.